You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of the Dr. Tina Show, I'm talking to the chair of the Yamhill County Board of Commissioners in Oregon, where I live. I'm a Yamhill County resident myself, and I've had the honor of sharing the stage with Mary Starrett this past year at a medical freedom event. I was so inspired with her knowledge and conviction that I had to get her on the show. If you're like me, you're feeling very stuck right now and unsure of how you can help, or if your efforts will even make an impact. Mary joins us today to tell us how to make some noise in the most effective ways possible. The government works for us, we the people, and we the people need to make our voices heard now on the most grassroots level possible, starting with the local school boards. This episode is succinct and inspiring and hopefully will get you to take some action, just like Mary Starrett. As always, if you have any questions for the show, please email us at podcast at drtina.com. That's D-R-T-Y-N-A dot com. And if you like this show, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Every one of those actions matters to us. I'm glad you're here. Let's jump in. Mary Starrett, thank you so much for being here on the Dr. Tina Show. You are the chair of the Yamhill County Board of Commissioners, and I had the honor of speaking with you on a stage at a, I guess it was a freedom rally a few months ago, and I was so impressed with your passion and your commitment and your conviction. And I wanted to bring you on today to ask you if you could share with the audience in just a the quick and dirty, and we won't take too much time, how people can get involved to make a difference. Because I think people are feeling very disempowered and very overwhelmed and sort of cycling through fear. And we had a nice conversation the other day. So I wanted to just have you introduce yourself and then we can jump right in. Thank you, doctor. And I appreciate your work and I appreciate the efforts that you're making to let people know that they don't have to be victims in this current situation. So basically, as chair of the Amhill County Board of Commissioners, I've had a number of opportunities to push back on what I believe are the unconstitutional mandates, whether it's mask mandating, closing businesses, closing churches and schools, and also the uh, the, the new, the vaccine mandates, which are fast and furiously uh, taking away not only people's freedoms, but also, I believe, their health. And I believe it is important for elected officials to push back. And what we're seeing at the state level is that both parties have abdicated their role to push back on mandates coming from the state government. The governor has limited powers, but under the color of emergency orders and emergency declarations has managed to, over the past year and a half, to continue this uh, being able to do things which are, would, before this, not be acceptable, both by federal and state constitutions. And what we are saying is there has to be a limit. And if the state legislature is not going to be the one that goes in and votes on these mandates, then it's going to be up to local elected officials to push back. Sadly, not a lot have. But I know that a number of counties have pushed back both on declaring emergencies in their counties, which is as a result of the workforce shortages that are going to we're already seeing as a result of these mandates. So pushing back by declaring emergencies at the local level in their counties and also looking at other things that we can do. We've written letters to the governor. We've we've demanded. I've asked for Freedom of Information Act information from OHA about some of the data that they're using and they're data as the bottom line is they're cooking the books. And so the information that they're sharing with us under the guise of this is the latest 
fear porn, I call it, where we're giving out numbers of presumably people who have died from COVID instead of saying they've died with COVID. They have changed the, the, the way they are characterizing things. The information on breakthrough data, the information on Delta variants and, and, and how that's being tested. The PCR test cycle threshold, which we've tried to get from OHA, which in essence we're seeing over and over again are resulting in false positives. So these are bits of information that I believe are instructive, but we've not been able to get that information. And at the local level, we have the ability to do what we can and to let people know that we're trying to work on their behalf. A couple of things we, we have to remember uh, that our local health departments, health and human services, and public health are funded by state tax dollars. That's the Oregon Health Authority. And so we have entered into a, a deal with the devil, if you, if you were. So that when it comes to pushing back on these mandates, we really are limited because it's sort of the golden rule. Whoever has the gold makes the rules and Oregon Health Authority has made the rules. For instance, we, two commissioners on our board, because we're typically voting two to one against the governor's mandates and some of this, uh, some of these things that are coming out of the state. We have one commissioner who has been in lockstep with the governor uh, the whole way. But Commissioner Lindsay Bershauer and myself have pushed back. And one of the things we asked was for parental consent when it comes to giving vaccines, the COVID vaccines, to minors. In the state of Oregon, the age of medical consent is 15. What we're saying is that anybody from 15 to 17 should have should require parental consent to get these vaccines. That's not the case. And as you know, they're pushing really hard by having all kinds of fun and festive outreach for youth to get these kids to roll up their sleeves. We decided that at a board meeting at two o'clock on an afternoon, on a Thursday afternoon, and by 5 p.m., we'd received notice from the Oregon Health Authority that we would be sued and our practitioners would be sued and fined every day that we did this. So they are fast and, and, and quick to tamp down any resistance. We asked simply that parents be notified when their minor children were going to receive an experimental biologic. And that now does not happen. Now we see them pushing these vaccines. I use the, the, the word vaccines in quotes. We see them pushing this to kids at a number of different venues where they offer pizza and they offer games and they offer music. And it's this, this uh, terrifyingly rapid push to get everybody vaccinated. And now, you know, they're pushing for children to be vaccinated, which is which is terrifying on so many levels. So those are a number of things that we can do. And I have been part of two lawsuits against the governor. One was last year, and it had to do with the closure of private schools and why those schools were required to close in addition to the public schools. I can talk more about that in a minute. The other thing I recently filed an affidavit in a lawsuit, which is basically saying that we will suffer the ramifications of staff shortages in our county if these mandates continue because what you despite what you're hearing in the media the hospitals the schools the fire departments law enforcement are all 
are all not only short staffed, but are going to, to be even more short staffed. And the governor has essentially said, you're on your own, but these mandates will stand. That's, yeah, I'm hearing it from all over. And parents are terrified going back to what you said about vaccinating children. I don't think a lot of people realize that, that in the state of Oregon, I mean, kids can even have sex change operations without parental consent, from what I understand. And parents are terrified of what's going to happen if they do send their kids to school. Uh, You know, we live in the same county. And I know that it's a fairly hardy group out here. But as I drive into the city where my parents and family live, the narrative seems to be thick and being very much believed there. Some of the information you mentioned about the Oregon Health Authority is so true, the whole dying with COVID versus of COVID um, situation. And People are just completely unaware of this. And when they become aware of it, they often get angry and then they reach out to me and say, what can I do? So I'm wondering, what can the public do? How can we make noise? Because people are feeling very disempowered and we feel like, eh, it doesn't matter. I could show up to you know, protest, I could show up to rally, and is it gonna make any difference? If I write my, if I write my uh, local governing authorities, will it make any difference? Will that noise create any change? That's a really good question, and it's frustrating at this point because, as you know, doctor, we live in a state with a supermajority in the legislature that has no has no interest in listening to constituents simply by but following the state in in these types of things. And if you look at the map of the state of Oregon, the preponderance, the vast majority of counties would vote against these types of mandates because they are on the other side of the political aisle. But we have a few counties in the urban areas, the population centers like Multnomah County, and they carry the weight when it comes to the laws that we're allowing and, and the laws that they push. The Republican minority, it's sad because they had one tool available to them and that to push back on these and that is to not show up and to not and to deny a quorum they chose not to do that it's very effective it has been used it's been used by the democrats in the past and it's been used in other states it's been used in this state and yet they did not do that and and we wound up with a series of bills that are not only restrictive when it comes to medical freedom but also second amendment issues private property issues it is a full-on assault, and yet they do so with impunity. So what I always like to say is elected officials, when they feel the heat, they see the light. And if right now everyone's just saying, well, there's nothing I can do, well, then that's what's going to happen. But I think what we're looking at now is that local elected officials, and that's county government and city government, those are the ones that need to hear from people. And that is your school boards, your city council, and your county commissioners. And people don't think it's important. Just take a look at what's going on in Newburgh at the school board level. It, it now it has a majority of people who are saying we don't want politics in the classroom. And that's creating a firestorm because finally parents are showing up and saying, I don't want my kid masked in the classroom. I don't want mandatory vaccines. And they're pushing back on the school boards and the school boards are not liking that. So I would say start with your school board, get on their mailing list, find out what their agenda is, show up at the school board meetings. And if they're virtual done, you need to sign up and and speak and get a bunch of your friends to do that too. So deal with it at the school board level. Deal with it and ask them to put pressure on the superintendent because the superintendent serves 
at the pleasure of the school board. Superintendents are being fired all across the country because they're not listening to parents. So that's very important. Your city council and your, and your mayor and your county commissioners need to hear from you. So I would get involved with like-minded groups and I would send letters to editors in local newspapers. I know in Yamhill County, we have two newspapers, a newspaper in Newburgh and a newspaper in McMinnville that don't need to hear from readers. They need to hear from people saying, I want my side of the story told and you're not telling that side. Again, if everyone refuses to pick up their piece and carry the weight of this of these mandates, it can happen. I like to talk about the situation in Nazi Germany. People say, oh yeah, you can't make that comparison. Well, yes, I very well can make the comparison because Jews were considered unclean people. Now those of us who are unvaccinated are, are being considered unclean. We're being fired from our jobs. We're being sequestered and segregated. And there's no question about the fact that we are starting to see this, our government, uh, bring the hammer down on, on a certain segment of the population. It happened to the Jews, and it's happening to the unvaccinated. Absolutely. And they use germ theory. I mean, they used the fear of infectious disease to turn the public against the Jewish community. That's how it's, a lot of it started. So you're spot on with that. People don't realize the history of this. And it didn't happen overnight. It didn't go from point A to extreme in one fell swoop. It was a series of small events where they pushed the line, people accept it as normal. This episode of The Dr. Tina Show is brought to you by my personal line of products that you can find inside my online store. My number one selling product is Easily Relax Tonic. What is Relax Tonic? It is an innovative powder drink mix that reminds me a whole lot of cherry Kool-Aid, much as I drank as a kid. Only this Kool-Aid won't brainwash you and might actually help you make better decisions. It contains a blend of ingredients that promotes a relaxed mood by supporting the body's natural neurotransmitter balance and neuronal stabilization, contains the inhibitory neurotransmitter GABA, supports hormonal balance, healthy blood pressure levels already within normal range, and a healthy glucose metabolism. Relaxed Tonic aims to promote a calm, relaxed, well-balanced emotional and physiologic state. While I can't make any specific health claims, tell you how to dose it, or make individual health recommendations, I can tell you how they work. As always, check with your provider before beginning any supplement regimen. Listeners of The Dr. Tina Show can enjoy 10% off Relax Tonic by using the code RELAX10 over inside my store at store.drtina.com. Again, head to store.drtina.com and use code RELAX10 for 10% off. Can I ask you a question? If you are not, if you don't have a student in school, is it still applicable to approach the school board and be a part of that, even if you're not a parent? of, a, of a, ch a child in school? Absolutely. As part of the community, if you look at your property tax bill every year, whether or not you've got kids in school, you are paying for that school system in your community. And it is a large chunk of the property taxes that you're paying. So when people look at their property tax bill and they say, oh, there's you know several hundred going to, to this district and this district and that district, it's going to schools, you have a right to weigh in. And I encourage people to write to their school boards and get involved in in groups that are showing up to make to to make public comment and it doesn't have to be long you just have to say 
I think it's child abuse to sit, have a kid sit in a classroom with a mask over their face. Let's look at how dehumanizing this is. Let's look at cultures that cover people's faces, cer certain segments of their population cover their faces. It dehumanizes them. It takes away their their status as an individual. And we're starting to teach children to be fearful, to be ashamed. And this is not what we want for our kids. Absolutely. I'm seeing a lot of parents putting their fear upon their children, which is not okay. And you nailed it. It is child abuse 100%. Not to mention what low-grade hypoxia does to a young brain. It's not, it's not a good thing. I think the outcomes from this are going to be somewhat devastating. Um, okay. So say I'm just... I'm, I'm an Oregonian and I'm wanting to get involved with some groups. You and I talked about a few. Do you want to rattle some off and I'll, and I'll rattle off any I know if you miss them? Well, I would get involved with Oregonians for Medical Freedom. There's another group, Oregon uh, Healthcare Workers for Medical Freedom. There are, there's Free Oregon. There's the Oregon Firearms Federation, which works on a very basic right that once we're disarmed, it really doesn't matter what the government does to us. The Second Amendment rights are, are really extremely important nowadays because we're seeing more and more of law-abiding citizens uh, as we watch what goes on with the defunding of police, with the lack of appropriate staff and response times. We're seeing, while criminals are not being prosecuted, they're let out of prison, but law-abiding citizens are seeing more and more restrictions on their right to defend themselves. So this is really critical. So the Oregon Firearms Federation is, is a uh, long-standing group in Oregon that has really struggled and pushed back on the um, Second Amendment assaults in Oregon, which are now coming more, more than ever. Oregonians for Medical Freedom, Free Oregon, uh, they're just, and make sure that you, you realize now more than ever that elections have consequences. And what we didn't pay attention to before is now coming back to bite us in our local, uh, our local uh, elections have shown us that who we put in office will determine whether or not our rights can be defended. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of it myself of not paying attention to politics well enough over the past few years out of frustration. And I uh, regret that now, but I'm learning. So I'm really appreciative to have conversations like this so I can learn what, where my power lies and what I can do with it. If you were to suggest uh, even phone calls, emails, just from a, an individual standpoint, you know, say we've got a stay-at-home mom sitting there at home and she's She's, she's not able to get involved with too many of these organizations. Does it behoove her to actually write, get her friends together, make phone calls, send emails? Does that kind of strategy work? Well, we see that is the strategy that does work a few years ago. We saw people who were never involved in politics, people who were never, ever involved, like the old Russian believers, uh, they never got involved in politics. And then along came a bill which was going to remove the medical and religious exemptions for vaccines in schools and for kids. And they fought back and joined at the, at the Capitol with Republicans and Democrats, liberals and conservatives, people who were never involved, standing shoulder to shoulder to say, no, you've gone too far. We're going to see a mama bear movement in this country, which is going to be the one I believe that turns the tide. People can do this from home. You don't need to, you, you don't need to get out of your sweats. You can get in front of your computer. You can go to your county commission, your county website. You can sign up 
to be on the, uh, you can see what their agenda is week by week. It has to be posted. So in, in Yamhill County, it's uh, the, the meetings are on Thursday. Get on there, look at the agenda, and then also make public comment by sending in an email. There's a link there if you want, you want to say something. And, you know, people think that, oh, my one email isn't going to make a difference, except if 10 people think that that week, then the Board of Commissioners is seeing that 10 people feel a certain way. Or And, and get on your and see what your city council agenda is. You'd be surprised at what's happening at the city level that you don't even know about and your school boards. So just spend an hour on the computer. Take a look at when the meetings are and when the agendas are posted. And then just tell yourself you're going to check back once a week and look and you're going to send an email and you're going to get your friends to send an email, and it doesn't have to be long or drawn out just to say, no, I see this is on the agenda. I am adamantly opposed to this, and I expect you to listen to your constituents. Awesome. So be a thorn in the side. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Elected officials work for constituents and taxpayers, and it's not the other way around. And that's sometimes what our elected officials have forgotten. Absolutely. I agree. This is great. This has actually been really helpful for me as well. And it gives me some action points. I'm going to be sure to put all of this information for the listeners into the show notes. So you guys can just have quick link resources and just a bullet point list of some action steps you can take to start making some noise. Because if we don't do it now, there's not going to be much opportunity to do it in the near future is my fear. So thank you so much, Mary Starrett, for joining us. I know you are a busy lady and you have work to do, so I don't want to keep you too long. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we close? Well, I think that we have to remember that it was the minorities in every effort that pushed back back on what appeared to be a majority. And those are the ones that made substantive a substantive change in, in our country. It was a small group of abolitionists who fought back against the institution of slavery. It was a small group, 3% of the colonists were, were in favor of getting rid of King George and his, and, and his regime in this country. And so that's really what happens. And a small group of people, a very vocal group of people can ignite a firestorm. And I think that's what needs to happen in this country because there are many of us who are, who are like-minded, law-abiding, constitutional institutionally uh, respecting Americans, and we need to do it at the local level. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I've got goosebumps. <laughs> you fire me up whenever I hear you talk. Okay, great. Well, I am going to make sure to get all of this organized for folks out there. We really appreciate your input on this, and thank you for fighting the good fight for us, and thanks for being on my show today. Thank you so much, Doctor. I appreciate it. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A, and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Gilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 
Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. 